0: Hi friends, I'm Tierney. And I'm Shelby. And we're Dead Dead Drunk. Drunk. Another day in quarantine. It's super
1: great. I'm just kidding. I'm so tired of it. Lots
0: of fun. <laughs> lots of fun, fun.
1: Really, I'm tired of Zoom. I could probably be fine if I had to be locked into my house. But, I mean, I would miss people. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, ugh. Yeah. I'm tired of I'm the tired computer.
0: Of, I'm tired of trying to wrangle my um, preschoolers on a Google Meet. <laughs> it just doesn't work.
1: That sounds nuts. Did you see that picture that that dad shared? It was a picture of his son and his son had got all dressed up in a suit for his Zoom meeting.
0: How (laughs) old was he?
1: I don't know. He looked maybe seven. Oh, he was small, but he was like, I have to get ready for my Zoom meeting. And then his dad opened the door to talk to him. And he goes like this, like, I'm on a call,
0: dad. (laughs) That's so cute. (laughs) Oh, I love kids. I miss them. Oh, I'm sorry. No way. I don't miss kids like that. I
1: can I kind of miss the food on Vassar's campus, if that helps. <laughs> I miss some students. I miss one student. Let's be yeah. real.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, I, I don't wasn't there long I enough don't to like more than I don't one. know
0: that I miss all of them. <laughs> <laughs> For being honest. I know for
1: sure that my chorus teacher doesn't miss any of them. She's yeah, <laughs> she's on Facebook posting like, if you submit a blank exam, you get a blank grade. <laughs>
0: what? The- <laughs> my um my aunt teaches art, and she like loves teaching online, but like nobody ever comes to her meetings, so that's probably why she loves it. <laughs> She doesn't really to do anything. Well, because they gave her the like 8:30 to 9:30 time slot for her classes every day. It's like n- people are not going to wake up to do art at 8:30, especially in oh, yeah, yeah, in Albany.
1: I always thought when I was younger it was just too it's
0: too long of a day. Yeah. school. Some of them literally were like, "Miss Alacqua, I'm sleeping." And she's like, "Yeah, I get that." <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, totally. Maybe just put half of your face in paint
1: and then put it on the pillow. Boom. Art. Yeah, seriously.
0: <laughs> that would be funny. But yeah, so <clears throat> I just got an email about summer school today, so. Ooh. It's virtual. Well
1: speaking of education, did you know that May is mental health awareness month?
0: I did not, Shelby. Tell me more. That's it. That's basically (laughs) it.
1: But in the interest of everybody being locked in their house and the pandemic, make sure that you take care of yourself. Definitely. I had to check with my boss this morning to make sure that she wasn't doing Zoom meetings constantly throughout her day. Mm -hmm. Because I only do, I'm only part time. So I work four hours a day and the rest of the day I could pretty much do whatever I want. But basically I'm still on the computer researching cases. Mm -hmm. And you have to get off the computer at some point and take care of Even yourself. if
0: you are researching Israel keys and we have a <laughs> an announcement coming up about that, so stay tuned.
1: Yeah, even if you've fallen down a deep dark rabbit hole of crazy murder <laughs> mysteries <laughs> like we have, you have to take a break. I took a I think after we had our after we had our long night talk research theory session. Mm i took like two days of not talking to you i was like "Uh, uh, uh." <laughs> Back i get, up. It. I get, it. It. I get <laughs> it i get it i get it i mean we still texted but it was like mm, we gotta take a break because we're about to go full i can't remember what it's called but when you put that all the crazy strings on the pedal to the metal the what yeah pedal to the metal sounds good but oh. i was gonna reference a movie where they put strings in like all this stuff on the wall. But all I could think of is it's always sunny when they parodied it. Oh. Mm. Eh. That's fine. <clears throat> anyway, it's Mental Health Awareness Month. So be aware that you have to take care of your mental health just as much as you take care of your physical health, which for me is not at all right now. Actually, I do Pilates once a week. So that's something. Love that. But Thanks. And a couple times I took Jenny for a walk, but mostly I don't do that anymore because she pulls me like I'm nothing. But
0: <laughs> But yeah. we're going to
1: work on it. That's on my to do list. Anyway, you have to make sure that you're just as healthy inside your brain as you are in all of your muscles and in your stomach. Although. McDonald's can be delivered now, so. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm going to tell you a case that focuses on mental health and how it relates to the criminal justice system in America love that journey for us yes queen because this case or rather the crime takes place in Oregon our drink today is the signature drink of Oregon I don't really know who decided it so if you're an Oregonian and you would like to dispute it you can. But the cocktail is a slow gin fizz. Yes. So what you're going to do is add the... So the recipe calls for one ounce of slow gin and one ounce gin. You could just do two ounces of gin.
0: Yeah. The sl- that's what we're... Isn't what slow gin like a plum gin? Yeah. If I have time... You will know when you look at our Instagram. If I have time to go to the liquor store like tomorrow or the next day... And get slow gin because I just looked it up and my liquor store does have it. Then it will be a slow gin fizz. If I do not have time to leave the apartment, um, it's a gin fizz. (laughs) We're pretending.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Either way, it's probably delicious. Well, as long as you use pink gin because I'm not a gin fan.
0: Oh, pink Um, gin is so good.
1: Either way, it's either one ounce slow gin, one ounce gin, or two ounces gin, and then one to one and a half ounce fresh lemon juice, whatever you're feeling. One teaspoon simple syrup, two ounces club soda, and then you put it in a cocktail shaker with ice, shake it up, and then you pour it into whatever glass you want to serve it in and garnish with a lemon slice. Shake, or shake, don't, because I don't care Sonora. what you do. But. <laughs> But garnishes make it look a little bit fancier. They do. If
0: you're going for that. You're not wrong. Garnishes always make it.
1: For me, they just make it look fancier. And then at the end, I'm like, why is this here?
0: Yeah, I saw a bartender on TikTok today that did um, like a raspberry lemonade with like a fucking rosemary sprig in it. And it looked fancy, but it's like, all right, what am I going to do with this rosemary sprig now?
1: Oh, yeah. You're going to throw it out. For sure. But that's the other thing is that my favorite drink that John will make me is an old fashioned. Mm -hmm. And every time I'm like, I don't understand why this orange pill is in here. Mm -hmm. Like It's a part of
0: the recipe and we always have it. But like the fuck. But like, yeah, what is it doing in here? I'm not going to eat it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I feel you. Except
1: for when they put orange slices in a blue moon. I'll eat that. Yeah, I mean, you have to. Mm -hmm. All right. So are you ready for the case? Drink up, dead drunkies. Here we go. On the morning of January 9th, 2017, Anthony Montwheeler pulled into a gas station in Sinclair, Ontario, which is a small city of about 11,000 people in Malher County. Montwheeler prepaid for $40 of diesel and also bought two bottles of water before wishing the clerk a nice day. Meanwhile, outside in the bitter cold, the fuel attendant, Michael McIntyre, he was a veteran of the Vietnam War, and he was waiting to fill up the Dodge pickup when he heard shouting coming from the cab of the truck. That's when McIntyre saw Anita Harmon in the passenger seat. Harmon, Montwheeler's ex wife, held up her hands to show that her wrists were bound to the seatbelt with zip ties and shouted, Help me! Oh my God. At this point, Montwheeler was returning to the truck. Thinking quickly, McIntyre told him, quote, Just give me a minute, I have to go inside. McIntyre went inside and told the store clerk to call the police, stating, quote, there's a lady tied up in that truck, before quickly returning outside to the truck.
0: There's I mean, a fucking lady in that truck, bro. <laughs>
1: he's, he's definitely in his 60s, but I feel like saying, there's a lady in that truck, was like, he was probably like, there's some shit going down, like, call somebody. <laughs> yeah, um, there's a lady
0: in that truck, so,
1: uh... <laughs> The 49-year-old Montwheeler, who stood at around 6 feet tall and was slightly overweight, was wearing a blue hooded sweatshirt and a tan baseball cap and sitting with one leg hanging out of the open door of his truck as if nothing was wrong. When McIntyre finished putting $40 worth of diesel into the truck, he told Montwheeler to wait because the cops were on their way. According to McIntyre, Montwheeler held his gaze for a moment before reaching for something behind the driver's seat. Montwheeler then flashed a wide-eyed expression at the attendant as he pulled out an outdoor angler fillet knife and plunged it into Harmon's neck. Oh, my God. Uh, McIntyre then yelled out, he just cut her throat.
0: Um. Uh, this, what the hell?
1: This is the point in the story where I always go, why did he tell him that he called the police? But. Yeah. Wh- uh, but it was probably what he thought would delay him. What do you mean? He had already finished putting the gas in his car and he still needed him to stay there to wait for the police. So I'm guessing that McIntyre thought this would keep him here if he knew the police were on his way.
0: Were on their Why way. would that keep him there? If you tell me the police are coming, I'm getting out of there. Yeah,
1: I'm, yeah,
0: I'm not sure. A customer who had just brought
1: his box of donuts to the counter heard the yell and ran outside to help. This good Samaritan later told the police that when he reached the pickup truck, he could see that the area around Harmon's jugular was, quote, all gone. Despite the two men's attempts to intervene, Montwheeler fended them both off with his left hand and continued to stab Harmon in the chest with his right. Then Montwheeler got the door to his dodge closed and took off, driving right through a snowbank that separated the gas station from the street. A patrol car then saw Mont Wheeler's truck pass through an intersection in the center of Ontario near Rusty's Pancake and Steakhouse. Pancake and Steakhouse sounds amazing.
0: Yeah, I would love to go to a pancake and steakhouse. That's like the fucking Golden Corral. Like my I've only been to the Golden Corral once. And my only memory is I went with my grandparents and they brought us there and we went there for breakfast. And then it was like 1030 and they were like, hold up. And made us sit there at the Golden Corral for half an hour until they brought the lunch out and then we ate lunch.
1: That's amazing. That's like, <laughs> a de- if, you, if you don't know, Tierney made up this thing in college where you eat somewhere and then you immediately go eat somewhere else. And it's called a bang bang. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a bang bang that you could do without moving.
0: Right. It's like a bang, bang for the price of one bang.
1: That makes me want to go to Golden Corral. I've actually never been, but I just associate it with bad food because it's right next to Texas Roadhouse on Route 9.
0: And you don't like Texas Roadhouse. Hot take.
1: I have a huge problem with them, and it's their cinnamon butter.
0: Oh, my God. You don't. That's like literally the one thing that I go to. It's because I expected for. regular butter for my
1: biscuits. And it's like a, it's good. good. I'm not saying it's not good, but it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Is it's not, you know what was good every time? And it's gone now. R.I.P.
0: Bugaboo's bread. Oh, fuck. I loved Bugaboo Creek. There was one in Albany in Crossgates. And I still have this very vivid memory because there was like a tree that was very creepy outside of it. And it had eyes and it would like talk to you.
1: Yeah, it was like a Christmas tree.
0: Yes. And this one time I was like, okay, bye. And the minute I said bye, it said, have a nice day. And I thought it was talking to me.
1: Anyway, how do we get here? I have no idea. Rusty's Pancake and Steakhouse. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, Mont Wheeler was driving past Rusty's Pancake and Steakhouse at a, quote, normal rate of speed. But the police had already been called, so they immediately gave chase. As soon as they gave chase, Montwheeler turned onto a two-lane highway and took off speeding at 90 miles per hour. Okay. David Bates and his wife, Jessica, were in their Ford excursion heading to work at the St. Alphonsus Medical Center, where David worked as a radiology manager and Jessica was an ultrasound technician.
0: Why do I feel like since they're good people, something bad's going to happen to them?
1: Yeah. Yeah. The mother of five later recalled that they typically took separate cars into work, but due to the amount of snow on the roads that day, David, quote, decided he would just drive me in so he'd know that I made it safe. Aww. Yeah. When Montwheeler's truck crossed into their lane, David tried to avoid the head-on collision by veering to the right, but the snowbanks all but eliminated the shoulder of the road. Jessica later stated that the last thing she remembers from the collision was, quote, the sound of the change door smashing into the dash. Blackout. No. Jessica survived with a concussion, three broken ribs, a fractured hand, and a collapsed lung. Thirty-eight-year-old David Bates was pronounced dead at the scene. As was Anita Harmon. well, was she already dead though? She might have been. Oh. Montwheeler was taken into custody, but due to his minor injuries sustained in the crash, he spent the night at St. Alphonsus Hospital in Boise. According to the nursing staff, he only woke to ask for a cup of ice and occasionally complain about his pain. Montwheeler also claimed to the hospital staff that he was there due to a fall. When one of the nurses mentioned the crash, Montwheeler replied saying, quote, That's not true. Don't go there. I'm here because I fell.
0: Okay, so he didn't want them to know that he was part of it because maybe he thought they would treat him different.
1: I don't know. I feel like it's something internal where he doesn't want to acknowledge like it. Like he's in denial. Yeah, that that's what it felt too. like to me. But you're probably you might be right too. He might have just not wanted the hospital.
0: Yeah, to I mean, think. I don't know. All the times that I watch Grey's Anatomy, and like there are bad people that come in and they like. They struggle mentally whether or not they should treat them like a regular mm-hmm. patient. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like if I was a doctor and somebody came in and was like, oh, this person literally just murdered somebody, I would be like, um, what? Oh, you're you know? right.
1: That's a very good point. So maybe he was lying so that they would treat him. There is I mean, an they episode still- in- How- I'm more partial to House, but there's an episode in House where their patient is a dictator in his country.
0: Yeah. There was, there was one in Grey's Anatomy where a guy had like a swastika tattoo and- Like didn't want a black doctor to work on him, but then like a black doctor ended up saving his life. Was that the the woman doctor? Yeah, I believe it was Bailey.
1: Thank you. I could not remember her name.
0: Yeah, but it's like I don't know. I feel like if I I don't know. I mean, because of how into true crime I am, I would want a murderer to survive so we could like get the answers. You know what I mean? Right. But I don't know.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I think it's really hard to make those kinds of calls when you're a healthcare professional because obviously everything inside you and from your training tells you that you are supposed to save this person, but probably you're thinking, is this person worth saving?
0: Right. Like this person just took somebody else's life. Am I supposed to save theirs?
1: Yeah. But really, you don't want to make that call. Like that's that's not an easy call. So I don't play God out here (laughs) at the crash site. Officers searched the Dodge pickup and found an empty package of latex gloves, heavy duty zip ties, a roll of duct tape, a 100 or so feet of rope, a small pair of binoculars, a black nylon scabbard on the driver's side floorboard and the bloodied fillet knife on the floor next to the passenger seat. Investigators also found that Anthony Montwheeler had an extensive criminal record that included multiple counts of theft and attempted fraud, but only one previous incident of violence. Are you ready? Yeah. In 1996, two decades earlier, Montwheeler kidnapped his then wife and son at gunpoint in Baker City, Oregon. What? In Yeah.
0: <laughs> he kidnapped Pretty somebody?
1: Pretty similar deal. Just the same as he kidnapped his ex-wife, Anita Harmon. Yeah. Oh, my God. In this case, Montwheeler was found, quote, guilty except for insanity, meaning that he would not go to prison and instead would remain under state jurisdiction for the maximum possible sentence. For Montwheeler, this was 70 years. But just 20 years later, he's now responsible for two deaths. Oh my god. Oh, I can't say that cuz that's French, but it looks like Lesots, the publisher of the Malhauer Enterprise, put it perfectly in their coverage of the story. Quote, "Very quickly, the question becomes, what's this guy doing loose in Mallher County?"
0: Yeah, why is he not in jail? Anthony Montwheeler
1: was not a stranger to violence. When he was 6 years old, his mother was fatally shot by his father. Oh. Yeah. In addition to his thefts and attempted fraud, Montwheeler also had a history of setting fires, which is itself a violent crime.
0: And is also one of the McDonald's triad, Mm -hmm. which I always like to bring up. So why was this dangerous man free to commit such violence?
1: The answer is pretty simple. A failure in the country's mental health care system and the criminal justice system, specifically in the use of insanity as a defense in court. Just a month before the deaths of Anita Harmon and David Bates, a hearing was held to determine whether Montwheeler was insane. At the time, he was a patient at the Oregon State Hospital, a mental health facility that shares a 425-acre tract with a prison. On December 7th, 2016, Montwheeler claimed to the Psychiatric Security Review Board that, from the start, his insanity defense had been a lie. Oh, shit. Mm-hmm. During his trial for kidnapping in 1997, Mont- Wheeler claimed that his actions were guided partially by the voice of his dead mother. In front of the state review board in 2016, he claimed that he was hearing her voice. Just to clear that up.
0: <laughs> yeah, no.
1: Yeah. In front of the state review board in 2016, Montwheeler admitted that he studied a copy of the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders so that he could accurately mimic various behavioral traits of people with mental health disorders. When questioned about hearing voices of his deceased loved ones, Montwheeler told the board, quote, I had basically made that up to, I guess, make myself sound crazy. I didn't hear anything. I had a choice. Either I could go to prison or I could take an insanity plea and go to the hospital. And all I got to do is make myself sound like I'm crazy. And that's the route I took. Mont Wheeler then added, quote, I've been using the system and just I'm done.
0: Oh, my God. That's mm-hmm. so unfair because there are so many people out there that actually need the help. And it's like you're just making it look bad you know what i mean like you're taking advantage and you're making other people look bad
1: i agree it's like all the women that come forward to lie about sexual assault right. or rapes or domestic violence it makes every it makes it so much harder for every other woman to get their story heard mm-hmm. and believed Normally, patients that are admitted to the state hospital in Oregon as insanity acquittals are granted a supervised release back into society after a period of observation. Unfortunately, that's not what happened in this case. Montwheeler spent most of the past 20 years not in a hospital, but instead living in state-subsidized housing in Ontario. While there, Montwheeler received regular medical treatment and caseworker visits, but he was not otherwise supervised. Mont Wheeler was diagnosed with bipolar disorder despite not being involved in any new episodes of violence. Doctors and caseworkers regularly described his mental illness as well-managed and under control. I wouldn't say that he's completely free of mental illness because
0: I don't really think He you- still literally is, has murdered someone.
1: Right. You don't murder a person because you're totally sane, and I don't think you can completely get over watching your mother get shot by your father. So... Right. Oh, he watched it? Yeah. Oh, he saw it. Oh, shit. Yeah. Um. So I do think that there is something mentally wrong with him, but he really played it up. Yeah. In April 2014, after being arrested for aggravated theft, Mont Wheeler was returned to the state hospital. This time, however, he claimed that he did not belong there, telling the doctors, telling the doctors and social workers, I know I don't have a mental illness. Okay, because he lied. So he requested a full discharge in Oregon state jurisdiction over psychiatric patients, even in criminal cases, is allowed only if they meet these two conditions. The offender continues to suffer from certain severe mental illnesses like bipolar disorder and poses a danger to the public. Mount Wheeler's psychiatrist at the state hospital, Mukesh Middle, testified that two decades of clinical records proved that he did not suffer from any type of mental illness. Middle went on to tell the board that Montwheeler had been off medication for almost a year, which is normally quite a risk for people with a bipolar disorder. However, during that time, Montwheeler had not suffered any episodes of violence or psychosis. So Middle told the state board, quote, Facts are facts. My conclusions are based on the observations of multiple people over a very long period of time, during which he has not displayed any symptoms consistent with the diagnosis, meaning that Montwheeler did not have bipolar disorder. In total, the hearing lasted a little more than two hours, but Montwheeler testified for just eight and a half minutes of that time. Rob Fisher writes out what Montwheeler was asked and how he answered in his Rolling Stone article on the case. Quote, when a state official asked if he ever had trouble sleeping, Montwheeler Wheeler said, no, I've always been able to sleep at night. Had he ever been depressed or felt that life is not worth living? I've always been happy, Montwheeler Wheeler said. I mean, I've never been depressed. So then the official pressed, you've never had any trouble getting out of bed and going about your activities? No, Mont Wheeler replied. I've always showed up for work. I've always been Johnny on the spot. So, Montwheeler successfully proved to the review board that he was not actually suffering from any mental illness. However, before his hearing in December 2016, a forensic psychologist did a risk assessment on Montwheeler to determine his capacity for violence. The assessment found that Montwheeler's quote, risk of violence would be high and would most likely be targeted at his intimate partner or other
0: family members. I mean... Yeah, they pretty much hit the nail on the head with that one. Yeah. But he was let out anyway, apparently.
1: Well, still, because Oregon law states that an offender must both have a mental illness and pose a danger to the public to retain state jurisdiction over that patient, the review board was forced to discharge Montwheeler. That is so honestly fucked up. Mm -hmm. According to Fisher's Rolling Stone article, quote, Offenders who are discharged from the state hospital, even those like Montwheeler, released before the completion of their full term, are not diverted into penitentiaries. They are set free without additional oversight or guaranteed access to state mental health care. So even if you are suffering from a mental illness, but you no longer pose a danger to society, you are released and given no further care.
0: How? Like, like what, what is the mental health facility there for then just for the violent mental? So they're not entitled to any other. There's not like another facility they can be transferred to. And further, if you're a danger to society, even if you're not mentally ill, you should not be let out on the streets. There's, I don't know how people can say, oh yeah, well, we kind of knew that he was going to target this woman and not like try to protect her at all. That's what gave me full body chills when I was writing this up,
1: is that the forensic psychologist had it dead on. He knew exactly what was going to happen.
0: And they still let him out into the world because they didn't have a choice. I mean, the law,
1: Oregon's law forced their hand. They can't do anything. For some reason, somebody wrote this law so that these two things
0: have to be together in order to, like... Yeah, It's I feel like yet yeah, maybe for that like certain facility or something, but there has to be a better way to make sure that violent people and people with mental disorders are both covered somehow. Exactly. And
1: even if he isn't suffering from a mental illness anymore, he was still given a sentence of 70 years and yeah. only served 20. So he should have been diverted into a penitentiary, it doesn't make sense.
0: Right. Yeah. He should have gone to jail. They mm-hmm. they just released him though.
1: Yeah. There's something about Oregon Law where he wasn't.
0: That he makes isn't me so sent mad. To a penitentiary. I'm so mad. <laughs> like Yeah. Like this woman this poor woman's life could have been saved and the life of the random person that was affected. Mm-hmm. And not to mention that his wife's life is now forever changed because of this guy. Yeah. Like so many people. It wasn't
1: an easy decision for the state review board to make. Their hands were essentially tied by Oregon state law. The board's chair, Kate Lieber, who is also a licensed attorney based in Portland, was one of the members clearly upset by Montwheeler's discharge. Fisher captures her reaction in his article writing, quote, while maintaining a lie for 20 years, she noted, Mont- Wheeler had avoided prison, lived rent-free, and received expensive care from trained professionals. Yeah. Just before Mont- Wheeler walked out the door as a free man, Lieber told him, quote, My hope is that you'll do the right thing. I am sincerely worried that you won't. Yeah. And unfortunately, she was right in her worry. Oh,
0: my God. I Just don't... about a month
1: later, like I told you, Montwheeler would take two lives.
0: I don't understand how this is allowed to happen.
1: Well, the requirements for claiming insanity are almost laughably simple. Do you know what it takes to plead insanity in a court of law? No. A defendant may have a claim to the insanity defense if, due to mental illness, they were unable to tell the difference between right and wrong or conform to the law. According to Fisher in his article... in practice, the plea presents countless problems, not least of which is defining what it means to be insane. In the court of law, as we saw with Montwheeler, an offender either does or does not suffer from a mental illness. However, people can show signs of more than one mental illness with an array of symptoms while suffering from other serious issues like substance abuse or anxiety. But in the court of law, if you don't
0: know what right or wrong is, you can plead insanity. So I could kill somebody. Go to jail or go to trial, and be like, "Well, there were voices in my head that told me that I was doing the right thing," and I can plead insanity. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yep, that's what Mont Wheeler did. That you don't need any in- evidence of a mental illness. You
1: you will get examined. They'll examine you, uh, forensic psychologist or psychiatrist. Mont- Wheeler just studied a book Yeah, so basically if you're a good actor mm-hmm. in fisher's article which i'll quote a lot because it seems to be the authority on this case he quotes jennifer scheme a professor of psychology at uc berkeley who said quote what we've learned is that it's much more squishy than the determinations that we have to make in the legal system but the system, I think, like to believe that it can sort the bad people into prison and justice settings and the mad, for a lack of a better term, people, into psychiatric and mental health service settings. We tend to think that most of the cases we talk about are insane on some level or another, but the law separates mental illness from the kind of behavior that we consider psycho. Fisher writes in his article, quote, antisocial personality disorders or psychopathy, which manifests in traits like a lack of empathy, a transactional nature, emotional volatility, and what experts call criminal thinking, do not meet the threshold of the insanity defense. One mental health official is even quoted in Fisher's article stating that they don't want the insanity defense redefined because, quote, those folks, that's who the prison system is for. Interesting. So it's crazy to me because antisocial personality disorders and psychopathy... Sounds like something that should be... It actually sounded like they were describing one of my exes who's really good for prison.
0: Mm-hmm, so, like, mm-hmm. Speaking from experience, I agree.
1: <laughs> so I do feel like that's who prison is for. Many jurisdictions have actually attempted to get rid of the insanity defense altogether since it is usually viewed as a way for violent criminals to get out of serving prison time. Fisher writes, quote, In the 1970s, nearly a dozen states adopted a new judgment known as guilty but mentally ill, which simply sent offenders to prison. In 1979, Montana repealed the insanity defense altogether, and Idaho, Utah, and Kansas eventually followed suit. This is why when Mont Wheeler kidnapped his ex-wife Anita Harmon from her home in Idaho, he drove her across the state lines to Oregon. Mont Wheeler knew that Oregon still had an insanity defense. Idaho doesn't
0: this is the problem with because there is a huge problem with mentally ill people just being thrown in jail
1: I agree I believe the problem is with the definition of insanity in the eyes of the court. yeah 100 mm-hmm. percent on April 28th 2017 after Mont Wheeler's attorneys brought up the idea of an insanity defense the Malhauer County. sorry I keep sounding saying this county name different but Oregonians tell me how it's said the Mahalhauer County District Attorney, Dave Goldthorpe, asked that Montwheeler get evaluated to see whether or not he was fit to stand trial. Then, on June 20th, 2017, a judge ordered Montwheeler sent to the state hospital for evaluation after she had doubts about his, him standing trial in his defense. This is currently, like right after-
0: After the murder. Stabbing Anita. Okay. hmm
1: On September 1st, 2017, Montwheeler was taken to the hospital for evaluation And it wasn't until January 11th, 2018 that they submitted their reports to the court. According to the Idaho Statesman, the hospital found that Montwheeler was not fit to stand trial because he was depressed over his circumstances. That report claimed that he would need three to six months for treatment to get him fit enough for trial. He should be
0: depressed, though. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, (laughs) makes sense.
1: Apparently, though... (laughs) Those three to six months weren't enough time for Mont- Wheeler to get ready for trial. And on September 18th, 2018, a judge found that he still wasn't fit and ordered him to stay at the hospital for treatment. Finally, on December 19th, 2018, the state hospital reported that Mont- Wheeler was ready to stand trial. And on January 4th, 2019, a judge declared that Montwheeler was fit for trial and could now enter a plea. I couldn't find anything in my research about his plea, which leads me to believe that it was postponed again. Okay. In 2018, Jessica Bates attempted to sue the state of Oregon on behalf of her deceased husband and their five children. Bates asserted that the state knew Montwheeler was dangerous and that he should never have been released from the Oregon State Hospital. Oh, uh, yeah. And although both of these things are very, very correct, Judge Aaron Landis of the Mulhauer County Circuit Courts dismissed the case, stating that the state and its agencies cannot be held responsible. In an article from the Malhauer Enterprise, it says, quote, the state asserts that the Psychiatric Security Review Board, the agency with jurisdiction over Montwheeler because of an earlier insanity finding, had, quote, absolute immunity from being held liable for its decision to set Montwheeler free. So Jessica and her children are still waiting for justice to be served. That makes me so mad. The Supreme Court is currently working on reversing those bans on the insanity defense. The idea behind the insanity plea is that the insane lack the capacity to choose between right and wrong, really because they don't understand or believe their actions are wrong. Justice Stephen G. Breyer pointed out that this means that people are not culpable if they truly did not know what they were doing, like, and I feel this is a great example of it, for instance, if they killed a human because they believed him to be a monster the real example is a dog but I think killing a dog is worse than killing any human yes so if they killed a human because they believed it to be a monster that might not be so wrong however they would be culpable if they knew that their actions were wrong like killing a human because they believe a dog told them to Breyer commented what's the difference it's quite deep this question So if you killed a human believing that it was a dog, you would not be culpable. You could claim the insanity defense. But if you killed a human because a dog told you to, you couldn't, i.e. David Berkowitz. That's
0: interesting. Mm -hmm. I feel like it should be the opposite.
1: I feel like it should
0: be both. It well really yeah but also like why would you kill a dog well <laughs> that in itself is like you're insane yeah but I, like
1: you, you should probably be put to death if you kill a dog i i fully support the death penalty if you kill a dog yeah 100 mm-hmm.
0: percent sign but, a petition below no, i'm just kidding <laughs> i think
1: the problem here is that they're trying to pick like a level of psychosis and really there are different levels of psychosis and it's you a can spectrum. Have two different mental illnesses. You could have different symptoms. Then everybody is different.
0: It's a spectrum. Yeah. There's right. an, you can't say this person is insane and this person isn't. If exactly. they For fall instance, somewhere on. Exactly. if we
1: went back to um, what is the? Is it Zechi? Is that the um the mother and her son that Nina told us about? Oh, Zechi. Yes. Yeah, she. Isn't insane, but she had a moment or a day of or hours, I don't remember how long it was, of insanity where she was not in her right mind and completely didn't remember it afterwards. Mm -hmm. That's some level of psychosis. Right. Uh,
0: Yeah, I mean. I don't believe it's a defense, but that means that that woman needs help. They need help. I feel like anyone who kills another human being needs psychiatric help. Because that's not normal to f- right. You
1: need psychiatric help, but you some of them, some of them, we could just, I could just be done with. You know, you
0: you're going to prison. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, like Ted Bundy. Sorry. Oh yeah, sorry, goodbye. You definitely have something wrong with you, but I'm not interested in seeing what that is. Right, <laughs> but for all of them, there's something that's mentally wrong. I wish that every person that's being incarcerated could somehow be evaluated. Mm-hmm. And the
1: well, the problem is that. There's no help for them before they take a life. There's no help for mental health, mentally ill people. There's not enough help. Let's say that.
0: Yeah, like Anthony Montwheeler, for example, literally was in a psychiatric center that he didn't need and still could not have been helped. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like, what do we do?
1: I think that. He does have something wrong with him, but I think it's a... He has to. If I were to guess, I would say that he's trying to take the women close to him and trying to keep them with him for as long as he can because he lost his mother.
0: That makes sense. That would be... I, again, with the fire setting thing, I think it's something ingrained in him from childhood. Mm-hmm.
1: And probably... Because he witnessed his father kill his mother. That's just what you do. You know, like when you're a kid and you witness your parents fighting, you just think, oh, that's what couples do. But it's not. Yeah. So that's where we're at. But according to Fisher, who, again, wrote a really great article in the Rolling Stone on this, where he just picks apart the insanity defense and the problems with the system. He said, quote, Today, the insanity defense is pursued in fewer than 1% of all criminal trials and is successful only about a quarter of the time. But the controversies over its use tend to mask a deeper crisis of mental illness in the criminal justice system. According to the most recent estimates, 37% of prisoners and 44% of jail inmates have been told by a mental health professional at some point in their lives that they suffer from a mental disorder. At the same time, 200,000 ex-offenders with severe mental illness are currently living in communities throughout the U.S. Around 77% of them will be rearrested within five years, many for violent crimes.
0: That makes sense. So
1: as we've said many times before and in this episode also, the system is broken. But here it's pretty clear what the issue is, is that people with mental illness need help. And the insanity defense... Insanity needs to be redefined in our court of law.
0: A hundred percent. It's crazy. It it is because I don't. Again, I feel like anybody who takes another human's life needs mental help. Oh, I agree a hundred percent.
1: But the idea of our prison system is rehabilitation, right? So, I mean, that's not what it turned into.
0: But that's that, the original reason, right? Is to be rehabilitated. Right. And some for some people, they are rehabilitated. In some cases, people with mental
1: illnesses will never not be a danger to the public. But there are some people with mental illnesses that just need help. Mm-hmm. For instance, I think if Randy Stair had gotten help and talked to somebody about his clear gender issues. Yeah. He may not have killed his coworkers. Elliot Roger, on the other hand, is a very good example of somebody getting help and still and posing work. a danger to society. Yeah. So that's the thing is that mental illness really has to be examined and taken seriously. And that's why your mental
0: health has to be taken just as seriously as your body health. And it's it's crazy too because it's such like it's such a spectrum and it's so different case to case. So like even if, you know, one type of rehabilitation helps a certain kind of person, you don't know that that's going to help somebody else. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? Like everything is so case to case with mental health. Oh yeah. What what works for one of your students,
1: I'm sure, doesn't work for everybody else.
0: Exactly. Good. Yeah. I one of my like biggest things is that like equity in education is not t- treating every student the same, but it's making sure every student has what they personally need to succeed. Mm-hmm. And, and it should the be same the same thing. in our healthcare system. Everybody.
1: Yeah. Should get what they need to be healthy physically and mentally and emotionally.
0: Yeah. And that might not be what another person needs. That might be the opposite of what a different person needs. It's case to case. I don't know another better way to say that, but. Exactly.
1: So that's why Mental Health Awareness Month is really important. You got to be aware of what you're feeling and what you need. And if you need to talk
0: to a professional, do that. Especially during this pandemic. Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of people are struggling because everything is new and. Exactly. If you want to talk to a
1: professional, you
0: can. If you want to talk to us, you can email us. I was going to say that. We're around. If you need somebody to talk to, here we are. We're sitting at home. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I like to think of myself as a pretty good listener. But I mean, if you if you're struggling with something, it's it's okay. It's okay to not be okay. It's not 100%. okay to kidnap your ex-wife and then kill them and an innocent father of five. It's it's okay <laughs> to not be okay though.
0: Say it louder for the people in the back. It's
1: okay. You're going to be okay. It's okay to not be okay, dude. That being said, you can seek comfort and therapy in your friends because I know that our healthcare system sucks. So yeah. check on your friends. Check on your friends. Even your strong friends friend. that you think, oh, she good. She might not be. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Or he might not be. Or they might not be. So or,
0: Yeah. He, she, they, them, I Wumbo, you, I'm sorry, I'm not making fun of it, I just (laughs) really love the (laughs) Wumbo. I Wumbo, he Wumbo, she Wumbo, they Wumbo. So, yeah, I know this is kind of
1: a bleak Outlook episode, but I think that. It's important. I think it is really important, and I think that people are starting to pay attention to mental illness and mental health. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think it's important that the Supreme Court is thinking about it in a legal way. Yeah. I think what the Supreme Court is doing is really important because the states that ban the insanity defense aren't aren't considering mental illness at all. Which you should. I think in some ways I know we haven't talked about her, but I do think in some ways Eileen Wernos had. A lot of mental illness and she didn't have anybody taking care of that. And I'm not saying
0: that's why she killed seven men, but Again, there has to be something wrong with you mentally if you're going to take the life of another person.
1: Yeah. So I'm sorry about this one being so bleak, but <laughs> what can we do to chase this one down, Tyr? Uh, you wanna do two truths and a lie? sure yeah so if you want to email us with your experiences with our healthcare system and mental health or just to talk or hear you can reach us at deaddrunkpod@gmail.com. at if you want to share a picture of the drink or just send us a DM with a smiley face we like that too <laughs> we love emojis. you can send it to us on Instagram at deaddrunkcrime and on Twitter at deaddrunkcrime and on Facebook you can find our page Dead Drunk A True Crime Podcast And you can read all about this case And dive deeper into the sources I highly suggest Fisher's Rolling Stone article It was a really interesting read On our website at DeadDrunkPodcast.com And I think that's it Oh we have merch If you want to buy yourself something To give yourself a little pick me up Or you just want to which is fine. You can find it in our show notes and linked in the
0: blog posts on our website. Yeah, it's a spreadshirt site. There's lots of alphabets, <laughs> alphabets letters. <laughs> There's lots of alphabets. I'm wearing one right now. Yes, she. I'm wearing my um Disneyland 50th Haunted Mansion anniversary shirt, and it's like my favorite shirt ever because it's big and comfy and soft. That's so sweet. And it's the Haunted Mansion. <laughs> yeah. I
1: miss Disneyland. I don't really. I don't. Wanna go to Disney World as much as I want to go to Disneyland?
0: <laughs> but Disney World is so much better. I know, I'm sure. Except for Disneyland's in California, that's the only thing. Alright. Should we do it? Two truths, one lie. Yeah, I'm trying to think of some good ones.
1: Okay. Do you want me to go? Sure. Okay. Um now I don't know the exact octave, but I was been told that my vocal range is from high G to low G. Uh, I played the clarinet as a child and I've broken three bones.
0: The last one's a lie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you, I know you've broken, you broke your ankle.
1: Yeah. I've broken my ankle
0: and, uh, my arm. I knew the thing about your vocal range and what was the other thing? I knew that one too. The clarinet. Yeah. I don't know why I knew that. <laughs> but I did somehow know that. It's uh oh
1: no I've never said this but I think <laughs> I in when I was playing it well now I look back and I'm like I have a really big nose and I played the clarinet I should have walked around like I'm Squidward I'm Squidward oh I'm Squidward, Squidward Squidward <laughs> 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 missed opportunity
0: oh, seriously
1: I would have been way funnier as a kid as I didn't if I didn't get embarrassed at anything. <laughs> I mean, it started later in life that I got embarrassed at stuff. But if I never got embarrassed, I would be a really fucking funny person.
0: Okay, are you ready? Yeah. I was in advanced orchestra in high school. I've been teaching for four years. I have three dads. Were you not in advanced orchestra? i was an advanced orchestra i played the violin i was a violin too and i had to go into school early i knew you played the violin but i didn't know what orchestra you were in so then it's number two yeah i haven't been teaching for two i've been teaching for two years technically i guess if you count my ta it's three years but four years i was in I did my student teaching, but I don't think that counts.
1: That one I should have got, but I guess I just loped, lumped it in with student teaching. Yeah,
0: I mean, I I mean that I guess that was tricky. The three dads um, was easy though. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but I thought it would be funny. It's pretty funny because like, everybody my would be like, "West three dad, dads," and then my stepdad. Yeah, so I have three dads. Fun, exciting.
1: <laughs> That's so it. cool, though.
0: That's like your when. <laughs> When
1: we play Never Have I Ever, Tierney always (laughs) wins. Because Tierney goes, never have I ever met my biological
0: parents. (laughs) And everyone's like, shit. And then some people are like, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, it's literally fine. Was it? I think it was your freshman year that you came back to the suite
1: and were like, we played Never Have I Ever as an icebreaker. And I said, never have I ever met my
0: biological parents. And everybody was like, oh. (laughs) (laughs) Because people's immediate reaction to that is like, Oh, my God, I'm sorry. And I'm like, why are you sorry? (laughs) (laughs) Have you met my mom? Because if you did, you would not be sorry. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I won. huh?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I'm really bad at that game, but I thought I came up with some pretty decent ones. You did. You did. (laughs) I
0: just know you too well.
1: Usually I come up with really shitty ones. At first, I was like, "Should I say I have blonde hair?" And I was like, "No, that's the lie, you idiot." So like,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm literally looking at you right now.
1: <laughs> I
0: know, but even like regularly, my hair isn't blonde. Like my yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Uh, yeah, I I made my Facebook avatar the other day, and I had to make me blonde because there was no ombre option. And well, was right, like, I, I saw you talking yourself- about that on
1: Facebook. There's no ombre. Yeah.
0: And Liz was like, you should have made yourself brunette. Like I think of you as a brunette. And I'm like, I think that most of my hair is blonde though.
1: I think so. Like too, I don't know. But it's happening. Liz hand. knows you as a brunette.
0: Yeah, because yeah, you I know
1: what was so there. strange is that I I also still think I am a brunette. My hair is currently blonde. Well, currently it's blue, but my Yeah. <laughs> but my hair is blonde as a regular
0: colour. And at Vassar, they didn't know at all that I have brown oh. hair. Yeah, that's well, that's good. That means that your hair was done well. It was. Yeah. <laughs> locks that rock. <rank. laughs> I love locks that they, rock. They I, switched places with Hudson Valley Tattoo. I know, but
1: their place looks cute. I mean, I, I walked in and was like, whoa, like I got a tattoo in here. This is trippy. Oh, you,
0: you went to the new place?
1: Mm-hmm. But it looks pretty cute. I have not been over to their new place because they weren't open. But Karen told me oh uh, they're doing awesome stuff with it they're gonna turn the upstairs area into like a like a drafting area mm-hmm. and now oh, there's that. so I can't much space us- there too it's gonna be it's gonna be great i can't, can't wait, wait to get a tattoo to go <laughs> get matching
0: tattoos when the pandemic is over
1: yes first thing tattoos second thing planning the 45 million vacations we planned
0: oh yeah we'll do it all yeah <laughs> all right bye mom bye molly